0: This is Pet Life Radio. Let's Talk Pets. And welcome, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you happen to be here in Los Angeles. It is in a beautiful morning so far, and at 9 a.m., so uh, for those of you back east, uh, noontime. Um, hopefully, you are enjoying uh, some a, a nice, relaxing Sunday, pre-Thanksgiving Sunday. We're going to talk about Thanksgiving in a little bit. Just wanted to... Uh, let you know that uh, we're here for you. I'm Dr. Jeff Weber, your host for the next 30 minutes here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. And that means you can call and actually ask questions. 877 385 8882 is the number. Once again, 877 385 8882. And um, why don't to talk about anything, anything pets? I mean, look, I know from the client calls that I get that you guys have questions out there. 10 veterinarians in a room and you'll get 12 different opinions. So it's something that we can kind of help you sift through. And we want to hear from you. We want to talk to you. Actually, I like the idea of talking better than having you text me or or even call me on the phone. So here's the best solution for that. You go online to PetLifeRadio.com. You click on Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff under Shows. And you will scroll down and you will see a box. And in that box is going to be a Google Hangouts link. Click on the link and you will get here with me live. And we can uh, talk. We can see a picture of you. We can see your pet. Have your pet on your lap unless he's a, you know, 120 pound. Just the other day, we had a Newfie come in, 145 pounds. He was magnificent. Probably about five pounds of the Newfie were drool, which happened to end up all over me. But he was the sweetest dog, a big black one. And I'm talking big. his his head was like he was huge, so but Newfoundlands are a really, really sweet dogs, so it was so nice so if you have a Newfie or any large breed like that, you don't have to put him on your lap you're you're excused, but have him sit next to you and come and join us here live on pet life radio as so that's with dr. Jeff so as those of you know who who listen to my show, I do like to go through news because there's some things that happen that that all different parts of the country that we can learn from number one and number two that you don't always have access to these kinds of sites. The site that you have access to is, um, well, let's call him Dr. Google. Um, I have my issues with Dr. Google. In fact, one a couple of weeks ago, we, there was an alert that came out in the American Veterinary Medical Association that Dr. Google isn't such a great doctor. And I have to agree. I think, well, you know, anytime you go into the internet for anything, or even if you listen to news sometimes, you know, what sells is sensationalism so when these stories are sensationalized they seem to garner and gather more interest and and that is a problem because most of the kinds of things that we deal with do not need to be sensationalized they don't deserve it and they're much easier than most of us think at the onset and unfortunately when you go on to these websites and you put in a symptom let's say vomiting and diarrhea or let's go let's go work bloody stool bloody diarrhea now most of the times, believe it or not, bloody diarrhea is not a problem. It's a colitis. It could be due to many different things. Typically, a dog with bloody stool is still happy. And again, if it's a puppy, young puppy, and he's got bloody squirts and it stinks, and he's weak and lethargic, then yes, of course, we're going to have to think about parvovirus. But most of the times, your adult dogs have a, a soft stool with some blood and mucus. It's not a tremendous problem. Very easy fix. And uh, yet... If you go on to Dr. Google, but the next thing you know, your dog has intestinal cancer and is going to die in three weeks. I mean, it's ridiculous. So anyway, we did talk about this a couple of weeks back, but I want to mention again because it it did hit the news and that's called FISS, feline injection site sarcoma. And uh, cats have a very bizarre way of sometimes responding to an injection. Uh, It doesn't even have to be a vaccine, but oftentimes it does come from a vaccine. And that is they can get a mass, a tumor at the site of this injection. And so, you know, for one thing, since we know it is something that happens, but how often does it happen? About one in 10,000 injections. So we want to make sure that you don't avoid vaccines for fear of your cat being the one in 10,000, because the risk and cats that get the diseases we're vaccinating against is way greater than one in 10,000. So we definitely still need to vaccinate. So one of the recommendations we all have now, and uh, you know when you talk to a client about this, and I'm going to talk to you about it. Yes, it's kind of freaky when you think about it, but just in case your cat is that one in ten thousand, where we give the objections now are in the extremities, and instead of in the trunk where we used to, we now everything is in the thigh and the leg, and even in the shoulder in the front. The reason for that is simple: is that heaven forbid, if we, if your cat is that one in ten thousand, then by giving it there. If it does develop a sarcoma, these sarcomas are not aggressive from a metastatic potential. They do not typically spread. They are very localized. So by giving a cat a shot in the thigh, heaven forbid, but if it does happen to develop this FISS, this feline injection site sarcoma, we can then go ahead and amputate the leg and save your cat's life. We did a surgery a couple of weeks ago on one such cat had a huge, huge F-I-S-S, and this cat is doing amazingly well. Now, does it bother us when we think of a three-legged pet? It does. But guess what? It doesn't bother your cat one bit. They do just fine. They're running around. They're happy. So that is the precaution. The precaution to say, well, I'm afraid of the feline injection site. goes, so I'm not going to vaccinate my cat. That is not smart. That is definitely not smart. So do the vaccine, have your veterinarian, do it in the thigh, do it someplace else. And if it happens to be one of those unlucky one in 10,000, we still can save his life. There is a a story and a rising cases of tick-borne diseases. Now, this is coming from the CDC. So this is not just diseases for our pets. These are diseases for us as well, because many of the diseases, when we get ticks or when our pets get ticks, then we get bit by the tick. There are a number of diseases that are transmitted via tick bites. In 2017, there were, check this out, 59,349 cases of tick-borne diseases in people reported to the CDC, and compared to 48,610. This may be both combined people and pets, but whatever, that's a tremendous, from 48,6 to 59, that's a huge, huge jump. So um, just keep in mind, tick control Make sure that your pets, if they are subject to ticks. Oh, one thing just to remember is that a lot of us, and even here in Southern California, we get a little lazy when it comes to, we don't typically here in Los Angeles, for example, have a huge flea load during our winter. I know you get your violins out and feel sorry for us because of our winters, you know, go, it gets down to 70 degrees. Wow. But we know that we were pretty lucky out here. But I will tell you that in many parts of the country, including out here, Ticks thrive in the cooler weather. So don't think just because it's cold and freezing, you could stop your flea control because most of our flea control medications are flea and tick. And of course, we don't want to stop them because we want to make sure to keep these ticks under control. And when we hear statistics from the CDC of the rise in tick-borne diseases, even more so, we want to make sure we continue our flea and tick prevention all year round. And also some warnings about cold temperatures in uh, certain parts of uh, Tennessee. Their temperatures have been dropping below freezing. And if it's happening in Tennessee, it's going to be happening in a lot of places. The Northeast already is complaining of a lot of cold weather. Colorado, Utah, getting a lot of snow already. So, which is good for me because I'm heading to Utah in a couple of weeks, <laughs> a little snowboarding. But uh, you want to make sure that we take the necessary precautions. Animals left outside need to have some area of warm shelter if they are small breeds of dogs or very short coated breeds you got to keep them warm they lose a lot of their body temperature to the environment and interestingly, when it comes to the smaller breeds, even more so is it's all about body mass and not necessarily weight so the ratio of mass to weight in small breeds is much greater therefore they have more of a body mass to lose that temperature too so we call it that. That's why, for example, I don't know if you ever had dogs that have been treated for cancer. But when we treat dogs for cancer, we use a range, a measurement called meter squared and not body weight. So it's much more accurate way to measure mass. So anyway, keep that in mind. If it's getting too cold out there, don't leave your pets outside all during the day unless they have some sort of shelter. They still have to have water. Make sure the water doesn't freeze over. And um, better yet, keep them indoors as much as you can. This was, this was a cute story. So we know that raccoons can harbor rabies. And in uh, West Virginia, there was a story that came out that these two raccoons were noted and they were acting like very neurologic. They were for sure it was thought that these raccoons were rabid. They're being very careful. And, uh, so it turns out they didn't have rabies. No, these raccoons were drunk. They were intoxicated. Why? and this, is, this happens, they were eating wild crab apples, and the crab apples were rotting and were, were fermenting, and of course, the byproduct of fermentation is, is alcohol, so they were getting drunk on fermented crab apples, so make sure, don't let your fruit get rotting and start to ferment, uh, and don't feed it to your dogs, um, or for you to not, never either, so it uh, turns out, they waited a couple of days, they just kind of kept them in a quarantine, and a few days, uh, the symptoms wore off, and They were released back into the wild. Another one good story that we love, and we know about this. We've talked about this before. It used to be that it was all about the animals, that we're going to do all this testing, and from animals, it's going to go to people. Now, there is so much work in the area of comparative oncology. That is a study of cancer coming from the veterinary world and the human side, and the data is being shared, and we're finding out that there is so much that we can learn from each other when it comes to treatment and case in point is going to be you know cancer too you know they may have tested this stuff on laboratory mice but when it comes to the efficacies we did not have we did not treat the animals for cancer as years and years and years ago as we do today and we got a lot of our learning a lot of our education a lot of our practice skills from the human side so in that case and now there's a lot of work done in fact one of my mentors in school when i was at uh, uc davis she basically, after she did a residency first in internal medicine, okay, Barb Kitchell, and then she went to uh, did her oncology residency. So she's they're both through internal medicine. So she's double boarded in medical oncology in internal medicine, and then just to top it off, that as if that wasn't enough, she went up to Stanford for a PhD in comparative oncology. So it is really it is so much of what we're learning now is coming from a comparative aspect. And you know, one of the things I remember asking her after I saw her after she finished her PhD was, what's the most important thing? She goes, what I learned the most about cancer is how little we really know about it. And it turns like the the thing of the future is going to be, you know, working with genes, immunotherapy, things like that, getting the body, inducing the body to start taking care of its own cancer. Because as we know, if if you've anyone, any loved ones that have been through cancer treatment, it takes its toll on the body. If you've had pet before that have been treated, it also takes a not as much, interestingly, because we treat dogs and cats a little bit differently when it comes to cancer than the human side, because we know their lifespans are much shorter anyway. So we kind of ease back a little bit. Now, oh, this is eh? a cute: a seventy-eight-year-old man was uh, working his yard, and a black bear came up. This was in North Carolina. A black bear came up, and he was trying to chase it away. The Bear was biting him. He was punching this bear on the nose. kept biting him. It's, you know, he's yelling for help. His wife and three. Pound Yorkie run outside, and who scares the bear away? Not the six foot guy, right? Not the wife. No, it was the three pound Yorkie, yapping and barking, finally scared the bear away. So that's cute. So be careful. Wouldn't it be so great if it would work right for like intruders that you just just sit your little Chihuahua, sit your little Yorkie on the guy? But anyway, that's funny. And um, one last thing, we've uh, talked about this before. We go on a break, and that is this. We're going to come back. Of course, we're going to talk about some Thanksgiving. Warnings coming up this Thursday. So we want you to take care of your pet's teeth at home. We want you to brush their teeth. We wish you would do it more often. I tell people, my clients, if you do it two to three times a week, I'll be thrilled. I tell myself if I do it two to three times a week, I'll be thrilled with me. We know it's hard, especially when you have, you know, 10 pets around the house, but I will tell you this. Do not use regular toothpaste for a number of reasons. Number one, the fluoride content is too high for our pets. Number two, they don't always necessarily like the taste, but sometimes they do, but they don't like the foaming, the sudsing. And that's what happens. Toothpaste that are specifically manufactured for pets is what we all it's, we say it's non-sudging. It doesn't foam up. It's easier, you know, it could be fish flavored, shrimp flavored, poultry flavored. I mean, there's beef flavored. There's so many different flavors out there, but it doesn't have the same fluoride content. So when you are looking, when you're going to be so conscientious and you're going to start to brush your pet's teeth on a regular basis, which is great, make sure you get a pet dentifrice a pet toothpaste don't use your stuff at home all right don't go away we'll come back after this short break we're going to talk about thanksgiving safety right sit stay we'll be right back after a short pause well four to be exact Put on a perfectly possum pet party! Having an awesome birthday or adoption day celebration for your four legged friend? Or just want a fun excuse to throw a fun party with your friends from the dog park? Deck out your party with Molly and Bandit pet party accessories. Party products designed specifically for pets. There are wearables, including adjustable pet party hats, bow ties, and tutus. The photo prop kits include funny glasses and hats. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio.com. And welcome back to Here live with Dr. Jeff Berber. And if you want, I want to hear from you 877-385-8882 Come join us on uh, Pet Life Radio on the Google Hangout link. But one of the things I wanted to just talk about is this Thursday's Thanksgiving. Early this year doesn't it seem early. The twenty second is it's pretty early, and um, it turns out it's, it's, it happens to be the fourth Thursday of November, and that's when Thanksgiving falls out. Fourth Thursday of November. Anyway, I wanted to talk a little bit about the concerns that some of us have about Thanksgiving. Of course. We want to avoid fatty foods. So that's going to be some of the fixins, fat from meats, dark meat, turkey, this turkey skin. These are all things that are high in fat content and can cause something called pancreatitis. Of course, we want to avoid things like onions, especially raw onions and garlic, raisins, grapes. We know these nuts. Again, nuts also because of the fat content. And um, raisins and grapes because some dogs can be extremely toxic. We don't know which ones they are. We don't know how to test for it yet. So therefore... The general rule of thumb is just keep them all away from it. And um, we can have some issues with some of the raisins and grapes. Chocolate, of course, we have to avoid. The darker the chocolate, the more toxic. Very simple. And um, they'd have to eat pretty much a lot of it, especially the chocolate and baked goods. They'd have to chow down a lot. But still, we want to be very careful. Xylitol. If anyone's using, trying to make some, you know, watching their own waistline, so they're creating some sugar-free desserts, they may be using xylitol as the artificial sweetener. Xylitol, very very toxic to dogs. We have to be very careful. And of course, as always, you know we're in newer times. There are some other baked goods that some people might elect to serve to their guests to keep them somewhat happy on this very joyous holiday. We have to be very careful because they may eat a cookie or a brownie. That dog sees that plate. They're all going. So um, again, we want to be very careful about things like that. Now, when it comes to the garbages, make sure you cover your trash well. Um, You know, we don't think about that. We're being so conscientious, we're throwing everything away. Meanwhile, the dog gets into the garbage. And with that, the carcass, the bones, the poultry bones, as we know, are somewhat dangerous because they're not poisonous, but they actually cause a lot of irritation. And when they chew them, they splinter very easily, leaving sharp edges, and those sharp edges can cause damage. The esophagus going down the the pipe, you know, from the mouth into the stomach would be the worst because that's a very difficult one to fix. And of course, things like, you know, anywhere in the GI tract. As a matter of fact, because of that, even if we know that a dog got a hold of soft bones, you know, chicken bones, poultry bones, turkey bones, we do not induce vomiting. Why? Because once it's already in the stomach, at least it's better off. If they, you, we make them vomit and the stuff has to come back up and then go through once again through the esophagus, we might actually cause more damage than not. So, the, of course, the best thing to do, of course, is just simply eliminate the threat. So, cover the trash. That's important. Decorative plants. The uh, you know, amaryllis, lilies, sago palm, there are some, a lot of things out there that are very toxic, even some ferns, believe it or not. So if you have animals that are pretty good normally, but all of a sudden they're getting bombarded with new people coming in the house and, and noise, and you, you just don't know how they're going to react. And we want to make sure that all the doors are secure. If you're going to leave them outside, the gates are secure. Because it's times like this that dogs seem to want to bolt. So, of course, the common sense things make sure that they are... They have their identification tags on them. Uh, that's very important. Make sure that their microchip, that's even as important or maybe sometimes more important because you can't lose a microchip. You can lose your ID tag. So it's all about preparation. It's all about planning. So you want to plan for those incidences that are you know more potentially dangerous or damaging. So, um, so as the guests are coming over, it's great. And make sure you just, you know, it's not rude to tell your guests, you know what? My dog will love to eat everything on the table. Keep the food on the table, not on the floor. So. You know, as the dogs come over and beg, you know, our guests have a tendency, I have a tendency, <laughs> if I'm going to do it, of course, people that don't know any better are going to do it. And that is, don't feed the dogs from the table. But when they, you, they look at you those sad eyes, and you know there's something they really like, then you know it's a piece of white breast, you know, white meat, turkey, and it doesn't have fat. You take the skin off, yeah, you know, come on, how much can a little piece of turkey hurt? The truth is probably not, but you're teaching your dog the bad behavior. And then we're reinforcing, of course, we're going to reinforce the begging. So it's better if you want to give them leftover. And there are many appropriate leftovers that you can give. And make sure that you do it the right way. And that is fill up their own bowls. Let them eat in their bowl in the kitchen or wherever else, wherever you feed them. But don't let them eat from the table. Thanksgiving, it's, it's a quick, short weekend. Some people go away, but when it comes to the holidays coming up, we're going to really have a talking a lot about travel, boarding over the holidays, taking your pets with you over the holidays, precautions to take, what you need to know. So we'll get to that when we talk more about traveling with pets. And that's going to come up in the next a couple of weeks. So anyway, have a great Thanksgiving. Enjoy the festivities. Enjoy the food. Get something good for your dog that they can eat. Like, I don't know. There's there's so many great, safe treats out there for them. Um as I, I mentioned before, the pepperonis that my, my dogs really like. Um, so give them things that they're going to be happy with. Yeah, they don't feel left out. You don't want to feel left out. You don't want to to resent the fact that all these people are over. They're not getting any attention. So you want to give them attention as well. So make it fun. Keep it safe. Um, and indulge only to a point. But to make sure your pets are under control. And uh, anyways, have a great Thanksgiving. We will, um, I think, be here next week. I don't know what... Uh, but, you know, People travel over the weekend. Uh, we may not, but um, I'm here. So that's a count. So uh, hopefully we will be here next week, next Sunday, noon in the east, 9 a.m. out here in the west. And, of course, everything in between, depending on where you live. Have a great week, everybody. Great Thanksgiving. And we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Let's Talk Pets. Every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com.